The Big Footy Port Adelaide podcast is proudly sponsored by New Vision. My team, Kanda, power. I love the power. power, power. I love the G'day power, everyone, this power. is the Big Footy Port Adelaide podcast coming to you live on uh, Port Fan Radio. I almost forgot where we were then. I'm your host, <laughs> Mac 19 and joining me is uh, Portia. How are you going? Macca, what a fantastic weekend. Oh, gosh, so good. How good was it? Yeah, well, I mean, I didn't expect the Ds to win that one, but it was no. a pretty good weekend. No. 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 Mm. And look, WA got over SA as well, so... Yeah, well, you know, that's expected, Happy I suppose. Um, yeah, no, it's good. Indeed. Well, let's, uh, <laughs> this is going to be a wonderful <laughs> podcast, isn't it? Thanks, everyone, for joining us, and uh, we'll speak to you next week. Bye. <laughs> Uh, let's get. I'm sure we can find some sort of uh, love or, you know, remotely slightly positive thing uh, to talk about as part of our love and hate this week. So, do you want to start us off with your love? Um, that the Magpies did really well. So, there's a bunch of young guys that might come in. I think that's probably the big one. Like we talked that's about in one. the in the preview. Like I said, that my my positive negative was that if Houston, sorry, if um, Tumpus and Archie are in the AFL side, then maybe some guys like Catley and other midfielders will get a chance to step up and be the centre mm-hmm. of a, a team and prove themselves. And yep. kind of sounds like that's exactly what happens. So that's positive. Yeah, yeah. Mm. absolutely. And that's uh, part of my love as well is um, the big dudes. Pretty much his first game up forward since his knee injury, and he kicks eight goals. Mm-hmm. Yeah, eight goals. <laughs> How much supply was he getting though? Like, was it just coming in constantly, or what was going on? Oh, look, I think so. I think um, considering mm. they won by 128 points, it's um, yeah. You know, I would say they got uh, some pretty <laughs> I mean, easy service all day. I think. Let's, let's be honest. Eight goals is eight goals, but I mean, we can't say well eight goals and then not also rubbish Josh Jenkins. Like, we can't do both. So no, that's true. <laughs> that's very true. But, you little ripper, get him in the side now, this week. Not in a month, yeah. not next year. We don't have Kim to wait Marshall. for him to kick another 60 goals. Like, let's just do it now. Now. Let's do it now. Well, yeah, okay. <laughs> this week. It has to happen, surely. It doesn't have to happen. No. It clearly won't happen, because he'll have to do this another seven times before uh, he gets a look in. But, uh, well, it should happen. to do with him. I really happen. don't. I don't think it's got much to do with him at all. It's to do with who's in the side and how many chances they get before they drop out. I think that's the main focus there. Mm. So, Dugs, if you want to play AFL, mate, um, I think you'd better go to Gold Coast. Nah, just um, start tunnelling blokes at marking contests at training. Yes. <laughs> yes. Carry an iron bar around with you and uh, do a Tonya Harding to someone. That's what you need to do. Drive around their houses and let down their tyres the night before training. That's it. (laughs) That's it. Well, uh, your hate or hates this week? Uh, My hate is how slow we move. Um, On the field, yes. That's something we can talk about later, I suppose. Mm -hmm. But how slow we make changes as a club. Um, Because we know that there should be a huge number of changes, and other clubs do that every year, you know, but we're going to make one or two, probably. And we're going to stick fat with the boys, like Spud Frawley did all those years ago before he got sacked. Um, yeah. <laughs> yes. That's fair. I like that. Um, yeah. Some uh, big changes should really be made, but uh, it's doubtful that it will happen. 
because uh, we probably kind of can't because we uh, decide to contract players to very, very long contracts. Uh, which makes things uh, interesting. <clears throat> I guess. Um, mm. It would be... This is the frustrating thing about the AFL is if, if they ripped off the NFL contracting and salary cap and draft system wholesale, it would actually be much better than what we've currently got and it'd get us out of this problem right away because you, mm. you can cut players, you know? Yep. Part of their money on a contract is a signing bonus and then the rest they only get if they actually perform. Um, we don't have that sort of structure, so... Yeah. That's a problem. Yes. Indeed. My my hate, I've got a couple. Um, I guess we should put a little note here and say, this probably isn't going to be the most positive podcast uh, I think it will. of the season. You reckon? I think you'll be in a shit mood, but I think I'll be alright. Okay, that's it. <laughs> Maybe I should have hit the drinks a bit earlier. I don't know. Um, no, definitely not. Where to start? Like, I could probably literally rip into about 10 different players here, but... Um, just got to question the mindset of the players and the coaches during the week um, to put in that sort of performance. Like, did they go in expecting it to be a cakewalk or something? Or I'm really happy that I was actually at work during the first half, as I probably would have vented up permaban from Big Footy, to be honest. <laughs> that first quarter, when when checking the scores, uh, the first time I looked at it, I think it was like forty to one or something. I was like, you can't be serious. That's just utterly disgraceful and. I can almost half forgive the similar first quarter against Sydney last year as we went in with a pretty bare-bones side against a, a team in good form, a grand finalist and all that sort of stuff. But, you know, we've got no real injury issues here. We're playing a team lower than us on the ladder and we deliver that pile of garbage. Like, it was pathetic, it was insipid. And um, I'm going to save an extra rant towards two players. And I'm going to do that now okay. as well. Yep. Jarman Impey. Like, I, I rate him highly... I've said it many times on this podcast how much I rate him. I've said so plenty of times. But I reckon I laughed the first nine times he went near the ball. Like bad free kicks, poor tackling, unrealistic attempts, falling over with the ball and handballing to an opponent. Like every possible mistake he could have made, he did. And he just looked like someone whose mind was somewhere else. And that's very disappointing after his recent form. Um, I'm not really sure what, what's going on there, but, um, and our old favorite hammer, Hamish Hartlett, yeah. where yeah, to begin on. there? Like, I, honestly, I'm, I'm just at a complete loss now. Like I feel like the father of a, like a heroin addict son who's just, you know, you keep trying to help, but in the end they just keep ending up stealing your money or your car or something like, you know, sometimes you just have to cut your losses and here we a... should cut our losses. Oh, what was that? That you signed a... up until 2021 as one of our highest paid players. Oh, that's wonderful, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> he must be, honestly, he must be laughing all the way to the bank with that. And again, like Jars, I reckon the first five or six times he went near the bowl, <laughs> it really summed up what to expect for the rest of the night. Like his half-hearted, one-handed tackling is literally as good as the 42-year-old beer-bellied old clubman running around in Div 6 reserves for Henley Sharks or something, you know? Um, that effort on the goal line, like really serious, that that's your effort on the goal line to save a goal. Like that's what we have to put up with for another four years, four more years of this. And look, he, he's been okay this year, but you always know that this sort of game is around the corner with, with Hamish. And sadly, it always seems to be when we need him to stand up. Um, where's the hammer that had such a great game in that Richmond final? or the first showdown at Adelaide Oval. I missed that hammer. That was a good hammer. 
this one. Like, I'm not going to feel comfortable until he's out of the club, to be honest. Like, I doubt we're ever going to see him play that good again. First of all, I just want to say I think that's the longest I've ever not spoken on the podcast, so I'm taking yeah. a vow. Well done. Um, <laughs> um, you're obviously really annoyed at Hammer. We, well, it's not surprising, really. That's the thing. Like we know that we got done. We got done for a long time, and the the, the baffling part is that we didn't take a third round pick to move him on. Mm. You know, like that's really that's really it. Him and his contract. If we could have got that, then we would have been in an infinitely better position. You know, yeah. Um, he is literally just a um, halfback sweeper, and they're not a valuable player for the most part. Um, you know, it's nice to have a player that can do that role, but if that's your only role, then you're not an AFL player. Realistically, that, mm. that's just it. Um, all I MP, want is effort. That's all I yeah. want is effort. Like no, at least look like you're trying. At least look like you give a shit. Because that on the weekend, for a guy that's on half a million a year at least, pathetic. Utterly pathetic. Well, I mean, your wage is not necessarily linked to motivation. That's not a, a common thing. Um, look, you see, there's a lot of players also that don't look like they're trying, and there's others that look like they're trying, but you know they probably aren't doing the work they need to be doing um, in terms of learning the game plan and all that sort of thing. So I, I think that can be deceptive. But I, I, do, I do think that... Hamish has always been a player that has had motivational issues throughout his career. I don't think there's ever been a period when he's been turned on for a season. I don't oh, think in 2014 he was pretty good. Uh, like, yeah, that, that was by far his yeah, best season. And that was a good sort of 7 out of 10 season. Yeah, well, yeah. Um, so that, that's really the, the, the issue there is that um, we're not working out how to motivate players and we're not moving them on when we can't motivate them and we're not moving the coaches on when they can't motivate them. So what are we doing? Mm. Um, back Honest, honestly, with, though, with the new oh, CBA yeah. agreement coming in, <laughs> yep. depending on how much uh, percentage increase it is, mm. I would honestly, I would be happy to pay him out and Lobie out right now and just cop that for the next couple of years. Just put what? that money towards the next two salary caps and just go in a player short or two players short for the next couple of years. Well, you don't I, I actually think have to go in better, short. That, that is a better scenario than what we're likely going to have to deal with. Yeah. Look, I mean, I, I personally, I, I know it's not a, a necessarily most popular view on Big Footy, but, I mean, I, I do still see the value in list spots, that list spots have an innate value to them. And if you clog them with players that aren't going to be AFL players, then you're actually hurting your side. Um, from that perspective, I do see the point because you can say, oh, well, who are we going to pick up at pick 80? But the answer is at pick 80, we could pick up someone that can prove themselves. And if we don't, then we've actually got a chance of doing it. Um, if, we, if we pick players and we rotate them through, you know, we don't hang on to a guy for six years so he can play 20-something games and still be flaky. Um, <clears throat> Brendan Archie. Um, and we don't do that. Uh, and instead we cycle through because there's going to be guys that come through because they come through for other clubs every year. Every year. Um, yep. So And we don't give ourselves that chance because we hang on to guys for a long time when they're not doing anything. Um, I agree from that perspective. I'd be okay with doing that. It does mean we need to look at our contracting situation. And I think the CBA has actually un- surprisingly put us in a um, a position where our list is healthy by accident <laughs> in that we have a lot of players that we can actually make changes with now. Um, it's a little bit strange, but uh, 
Yeah. Um, yeah back on I, I really don't know what to do. Oh, sorry, I can't talk. Can I just talk about Joe and I've said that. Oh, yeah, sure. <laughs> I just wanted to say about Jarman Impey is that he's playing very much like a Daniel Motlop sort of game. Not in that he's got a marking capacity, but because he's got oodles of talent, he's kind of inconsistent. He might pull together one good year, but ultimately, if we have that good year, we will probably want to look to move him on to someone else. That was what I wanted to say about Jarman. Yeah, it's probably a fair call. I've got hope that he does. Like He's still very young. He's still only 21. He's still got a lot of time on his side. He has played really, really well the last three or four weeks, but... I don't know. He he just looked like he was somewhere else on the weekend. Like his mind wasn't at the job at task, and you know, same with Harlot, same with probably three or four other players out there, and same with the coaches as well. Because we clearly went in pretty under underprepared for that. Look for me. I think my issue with Impey is that he's got a bit. Of, he's a little bit like Cameron Hitchcock was in that he's a straight line runner. Um, you know, he had showed agility at times, but he just doesn't use it all that often. Uh, and that's why he gets caught out. That's why he gets caught kicking from weird angles and all that sort of stuff and not doing it because it's not what he's, he's not what he's good at. Um, playing that close to goal, if he isn't marking it, then he's not super agile um, on the ground when he's running at full speed. Uh, and that kind of catches him out, I think. Mm. And again, his snapping ability. like Well, that's part of it too, yeah. I reckon every second time he tries to snap the ball, it actually ends up further away from goal than than where he's kicked it from. Yeah, he's not a forward. He should be playing along the wing like Amon does, but we're playing in forward for some reason. Yeah, but most but, people then again, can snap a ball. Like it, you don't have to be a forward to snap a football. Like you can still get it going where it should go, not behind or further away from the you know the target. Yeah, but we're already. This is this is a combination issue though in that the reason he's in that situation is because he's usually running pretty hard or he has been running pretty hard because he has to get separation from his opponent uh when he's in the forward line particularly because he's not going to outmark him because he's only he's what 178 centimeters mm. um so he has to run and run and run and when you run and run and run even if you're really really fit um it affects your muscles and it affects your, your jitters and so things that you're not particularly good at that you don't have a routine for um, you're more likely to have issues with. Um, I think that's where Impey's getting caught out. You know, your players can make a snap, but the way he sort of has to run around to get the possessions he does, um, you know, I'm not surprised that he's not particularly accurate. Yeah. That's right. We've got a couple of comments on the Spreaky chat. Mangus Humphreys yeah. has said, my hate was spending a small fortune on taking the family over for this game and having that garbage dished up absolutely fuming. And you've got to say, I feel very sorry for anyone that spent money going to that game. Especially from interstate. <laughs> five minutes in, you would be absolutely regretting it, just like Dylan is. Yeah, but, I mean, I guess... I don't know, maybe they went to some nice restaurants. <laughs> I hope so. I, don't know. I hope so. Yeah. I hope the food was good. That's yeah, that would be good. Yeah. That's it. Right. On to some questions. Uh, Pommy Power has asked, if there's one positive, it has to be uh, Sam Powell Pepper's reaction after halftime. Um, I actually got a negative out of it, and the reason I'll, I'll explain why. Not because his performance in the first half was bad; it was that is a problem. But for me, it's very reminiscent of what Wingard was doing a couple of years ago, where he'd just get fed up trying to do the team thing and try and make it all happen himself. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you can do that, and then a lot of the time you can't. And that's that's still a habit that Wingard has. We see it all the time, where he sort of blazes at goal from positions where he had options, but he's still in that mindset like, oh shit, I'm just going to have to make it happen myself. And for me, that 
move from Pal Pepper in the second half where he got the goal on the 50. He's like, oh, no, nah. nah, I'm the one that's going to do it. I've got to make something here. And it's, that's cool. It's nice to have a player that will stand up and do that, but that can actually become a vice. Um, so that, that's. But apart from that, I love that he's got the ability to do that. It's great that he's got the initiative to do that, but he does still have to be very focused on team game. Okay. Mm. That was the best thing that came out of the game for me, that goal. That was awesome. Yeah, but I'm weird. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Oh, I won't disagree with that one. Uh, Needs Gravy has asked, what is our biggest issue, uh, on-field leadership or leadership in the coaching box? Both? I think it's a great question. It's a pretty hard one to answer. Well, they're symbiotic, aren't they, realistically? You know, um, if you like last year when we appointed Hamish Hartlett vice-captain, um, that's a joint, just a joint decision that didn't work out and was completely unfathomable to to, to fans, I reckon. Um, yeah. They've reached, they've reached a weird equilibrium that isn't working. And that means, what that means is that KT and Koshi or whoever needs to actually step in and go, hey, you've reached a bad equilibrium. We need to work on that. It's not good. Um, you need to be more accountable to someone because you're not accountable to each other. That's fair. I mean, it's the chicken or the egg, isn't it, really? But It's like know. a trust arrangement, you know? Mm. Like, you know, companies work together to set prices and things like that. It's kind of like we work together to say that we'll have a nice job. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. Uh, Johnson's asked, uh, are you disappointed or happy with the fact that the move of Dougal Howard was due to Kenny wanting him up forward? Uh, indifferent. That's probably it. I'd say probably happy with that one, to be honest. Oh, he was playing well down back, but um, I think it shows that Kenny wants another tall forward in the side uh, sometime pretty soon, which leads to a, a question on the Spreaker chat uh, from Craig. Um, has the uh, Trengove experience failed up forward? Uh, I'm not convinced, that, first of all, that Howard playing up forward this week means he wants him to be a forward. It probably means he wants him to be a switch player, and that's probably why the Trengove comment came up, um, or that why you were talking about it. I just want to make that clear. Trengove experiment absolutely has failed, there's no doubt. Um, he just doesn't have a presence there, realistically. Yeah. Uh, so then you've got to work out what you're going to do. Um, Homsch played the worst game of his career. Um Everything crystallised about why I've been not a Homsch fan this year and why I've been saying he's the guy we should trade. Um, this was this was everything that's wrong with his game. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I guess we'll speak about him a little bit later, but I do agree, mm. like, his form this year has been probably below average and it looks like he's probably not reached his potential um, that it looked no. like being a few years ago. No, look, absolutely. Um, and you know, just from a trading perspective, like the fact that he's, you know, he's got a fan, he's got, he's, he's a really nice guy. He does all that community work that you see on what Port TV and all that sort of stuff all the time, and all that sort of thing. Like that. It makes him very tradable to a team that has a culture problem, like Gold Coast. Um, so I would not be surprised to see him on the trade table. Or I would, and I would endorse if he was on the trade table this year, given our um, backup defenders that we have available. We have plenty. Mm. Uh, Q Power has asked, uh, outstanding teams that rarely lose can become complacent and suffer a heavy defeat, which is often described as a wake-up call. At 6-4 before this game and without a victory over a top-eight side, is Port good enough to have earned the right to become complacent? 
And if not, what the heck was Ken talking about describing this loss as a wake-up call? Oh, it's a wake-up call because we talk shit every press conference and it seems like they started believing it. Um, (laughs) We're like, oh, you know, good consistent performance even though we lost. Um, And we said that after Hawthorne, it was a good consistent performance. We don't worry too much about the second half. Um, And, (laughs) you know, Geelong, good consistent performance. And the reality is, no, it's not. There's very obvious metrics that are missing Um, week to week. We talk about on the podcast. Uh, and there's flaws in our side that you haven't been addressing through list management as a coach. Um, like, you know, what do we do if Ryder's out of form? What do we do if Dixon's out of form or negated? You know, what do we do? We don't have a, we don't have a solution for that. We haven't been blooding other guys in those positions this year or realistically last year either. Um, we, we haven't really, you know, apart from maybe Dougal Howard's tap, um, really good tap. We, we're not doing it. We're not. His his management as a coach for a long term side, developing side, has been shit house. Um, absolutely shit house. And you can say, oh, he's playing for finals now. He's coaching the team for finals. But is he? Because you miss players during a season every year, and we're not developing players in our two weakest roles. Um, we're not doing it. We're not giving them game time. We're not getting them used to being part of the side. Uh, so there's no long term view at all. It's it's really. That's where we're at, really. Yeah, I think the wake-up call comment, um, I don't know, for me it means, as we mentioned on the preview, you know, we've obviously beaten bottom teams, we've lost to all the good teams. This was our first real crack at a team in that mid-range group that we currently sit as well. So for me, I look at Ken's comment and feel that he meant uh, the fact that we failed against a team in our group, that's the wake-up call, that we're not as good as what we thought we were. Even though we know that we're not good enough to beat good teams, maybe we're not good enough to beat the teams around us on the ladder as well. Look, I mean, I guess that's the case. Um, and in that case, there should be some pretty huge changes because we're in a rebuild. Mm. Really. We put so much into getting guys like Ryder and Dixon to the club, keeping all these uh, experienced players around on long contracts so that they're available when we need them. And if we're not able to beat mid-table sides, um, it's clear out time. Yeah. So that's where we're at. Uh, Portmanteau has asked, uh, to what extent has our up-and-down form impacted the atmosphere at home games? Uh, for example, a strong performance against Brisbane this week will feel a little bit hollow. Is this acceptable? Should fans be willing to enjoy the ride a bit more, or have we been dudded with the team not delivering on high, uh, justified expectations? The reality is that if, t- if fans keep coming every week and not complaining, then you are mediocre for longer. That's just truth. That's an absolute truth. You can Every, every team in the league follows that method. <laughs> Um, yep. So no, if you don't go to games and and not be and and pretend to be happy anyway, you know cheer when good things happen, um, and don't shit pot all the players all game because I don't you know I, I don't do that at games. I know I shit pot players all the time on this podcast, <laughs> but at games I definitely don't do it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, again, try and be positive, all that sort of thing. And then if someone makes a stupid mistake, you know, don't go saying, "Oh, you're fantastic, mate." Um, we need a bit of that uh, old Terry Wallace attitude. If I see one more guy getting slapped on the back, I'll spew up. Um, mm. You know, yeah. when we're not good, we've got to let them know that we're not good because that's what Port Adelaide does. So, yeah. mm. I feel like atmosphere at our games is pretty poor as it is. Anyway, like we've got a very quiet crowd and uh, it's pretty rare that they sort of arc up a bit. Um, I don't know. I think fans can sort of learn to enjoy the ride a little bit. Um, going to the game on the weekend with a bad attitude because we lost this week probably isn't right. I don't know. 
I think uh, I agree with you in, in terms of that you've you got to be vocal if there's uh, something wrong and you want to voice your opinion, but um, just to go to sort of shit-pop players is probably not the right thing to do either. No, because that um, doesn't just ruin the game for you. It ruins the game for people around you, you know? Yeah, exactly. Um, exactly right. <laughs> I remember back at Footy Park when we were in a... We started off, you know, everyone joined for the start of the Power and the AFL and all that sort of thing. We had a really good group. Eventually a couple of people changed and then we got a couple of motors in. And right after that, woof, did that area of the ground thin out. <laughs> <coughs> mm. Yeah, no, it, that brings the whole crowd down and piss, makes everyone's experience worse. Don't do it. It's really annoying. For sure. Andre has asked, uh, every loss we've had a toll forward dominate our backs. Every loss we've had Hartlett, Broadbent and Sam Gray flop. Uh, he wants a yay or nay from the hosts uh, for this, that Ken will A, push Trengove back, B, drop Hartlett, C, drop Sam Gray, and D, drop Broadbent. Which one will Ken do, if any? None. There is boys. Yeah. Which would you do? Yeah. Uh, I'd put Tringo back, but I'd be dropping Homsch. Um, Hartlett, I'd probably drop independently. Broadbent probably gets another go. Sam Gray, I don't know. I don't know who his immediate replacement is. I guess Jesse Palmer, but I don't know that Jesse Palmer is quite hardened enough to be a straight replacement the same week as a bunch of other changes. So maybe wait a couple of weeks on that change, but still be very much expecting to make it. Yeah. I would move Trengove down back. I'd play Dougal, I'd drop Hartlett, and uh, Sam Gray and Broadbent stay in the side. Yep. Yeah, I'm pretty, I guess that's pretty much what I said, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> uh, Sleazy has said, uh, or has asked, uh, can we adequately defend against our opponent's midfield transition when we have Wines, Sam Powell Pepper, and Ebert in the centre square? Um, I... So I guess he's think... intimating maybe it's a bit too pedestrian, maybe a little bit too slow. I don't think that's where the, we're getting caught out, though, is it? Not with those two. <clears throat> Not with those players, I don't think. Um, are we getting caught out by quicker midfields? Probably, but I'm not sure it's the fault of Wines, Powell Pepper and Ebert not being the quickest no. players. I mean, Powell Pepper's got good pace as it is, but um, I think it's more to do with um, uh, sort of midfield structure where we're sort of standing at stoppages and uh, and that sort of thing as opposed to the, the pace of our midfield. Yeah, um, I mean, I, I guess if you're going to have a, uh, a complaint about our defence, it's and we saw it a lot of times to complain about this weekend, uh, it's probably that our halfback flankers aren't fast. So when they're, I mean, they're the ones because they're not, you know, we, you can't have a crack at contested players for being slow and big because they have to be slow and big. Yeah. But when your halfback flankers are not able to a run hard and b run fast when you spread out, then you're screwed. And yeah. if you if you wanted to make the criticism that we don't have fast halfback flankers, apart from Carl Amon when he's sort of playing that role, I think that's a very fair criticism, and I think that's what's getting us caught out as much as anything, um, in that they're not they're not able to close the gaps in midfield when we're fully stretched out as a side. Um, they're only really effective when we're playing in half a field. Mm. Right, that's good. Uh, Blag, good name, has asked, uh, what are your favourite tactics to dull the rage and uh, pain induced by this team? Any tips? For Blarg? Laughter. <laughs> Laughter's good. Alcohol was usually good. I've got to say, I, I had some pretty good gin on uh, on Saturday night through that second half, which I very much enjoyed and uh, took my mind off the game a little bit. Yeah, 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 that's all right. Um, I don't know. 
if when it's against a team that I don't think that I really don't like, then I kind of like watching them get ahead of themselves. If I think that they're not, you know, consistently good, that's why I hate Geelong is because they didn't get ahead of themselves. They actually were that good. But yeah. when it's like a when it's like a Richmond or somewhere like that, and it's like, yeah, well, we know you're going to drop down, and I'll enjoy the shit out of that. Like you don't care so much. Yeah. Why don't? <laughs> that's fair. Yeah. Uh, long live PAFC is asked, uh, do our terrible 2009 and 10 drafts account for some of our lack of leadership and success? Uh, we've only got one first round pick out of four and one of the two second round picks still at port in the AFL. And these should be the uh, in their prime type players. Look, we were hugely critical of both of those drafts when they happened. Um, yeah. Which, you know, people say hindsight. But no, it wasn't hindsight. You can That was a good thing about Bigfoot is you can Google. <laughs> you can look through it and go, there we are. There's the comment I said where Ben Jacobs was a ridiculous choice, where we should have gone for three tools in the 2009 draft, blah, blah, blah. Mm. So we, we kind of screwed ourselves there. Um, yeah, it, look, it's part of the leadership issue, but it's not a lot of the leadership issue because the guys we've got there, they're just not leaders and they're older than that, you know? Yeah. Um, the guys that should be leading right now are still the guys that are in that 2006, 2007-ish era and they're not. Yeah. They're not leading. They're not. They're not by any measure. All of those players, the 2006, 2007 draft, they're not leading. Johnson's asked uh, if Atley gets selected in this week's lineup, can you see him playing out the year? Uh, maybe. Um, if teams are going to make a thing possible. of, I kind of think if teams are going to make a, a big deal about exposing uh, us when we go forward and turn it over, then I don't think he'll have a lot of time on our side because I think that's probably the weakest part of his game, um, unless they turn it over coming back the other way. Like he's good at Steph- he's good at he's good at that de- the actual defensive midfielder role. like not the role that for a while we were pretending that Hamish Harlow was doing like he actually does the actual role that you're supposed to do when you're a little bit behind the, in the center square and getting it out that way that that's yep. at least perfect spot um, whether we need that in our side right now is debatable um, I do kind of favor Drew to come in over Atley because of that at this particular point when there's just we've just been hugely exposed uh, as how you beat us. Um, yeah, I don't know. I guess we'll see. I'm keen for Ali to come in. I think he's going to give us some uh, extra grunt, which would be good. He can win the ball. He's got good pace. He's got good skills. He can kick goals up forward. Um, I think there's more to him than just being a pure centre square midfielder. And I think he's learning that over the last sort of five or six weeks in the SNFL. And he's starting to get a lot more uncontested ball. So that's, uh, that's a positive as well. Look, I agree that, that but that's kind of why I'd prefer to see him develop that at SNFL level first because when he gets in at AFL level, he's not going to have that role. Um, we are currently a team that is lacking for outside midfielders that can deliver um, consistently. We've got Pollock and we had Amon before he injured himself and that's really about it that's reliable. Wingard's good, but he's a very contested player. Um, I don't know why that is, but he ends up being it. Uh, so he doesn't get as much time as he'd probably like. Um yeah. You know, we don't have those class disposers, so the reality is if Atlee comes into our AFL side, he's probably going to be forced to play a role he's not best at. And I don't know. Like in his first year, I don't know that we need to put him that sort of pressure on him. I'd rather give a guy like Palmer a go. Okay, fair enough. Uh, Paf has asked, uh, does anyone else get the feeling that other sides with experienced coaches study us better than we study them? I don't think there's a lot to study. Like, I was asked on the preview, how do you beat Port? And I said, and that's what they did, so... Yep. Not, not, not. <laughs> it's exactly it. Go back and listen if you want. It's exactly what they did. So, yeah. It is. Um, Dylan 8, 
has uh, this is the last question. He's asked uh, how many consecutive eight goal games does uh, Howard have to have before he's considered for selection? Yeah, I already answered that one personally, which is uh, it's nothing to do with him. It's to do with how long it takes to get our guys and top team out. I'm going to say four. He's got to do this four weeks in a row. And uh, as you said before we started recording, Porsche will just end up across halfback like Nick Salter did anyway. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's it. Well, let's try and review this uh, this disaster. Port travelled to uh, Etihad Stadium to take on Essendon and came away with a 70-point loss. Eight goals, 13 to 19, goals, 17. Robbie Gray was the only multiple goal kicker with three goals. Um, as mentioned, we were 40 points to one down uh, during that first quarter as Essendon got a really big run on and kicked about four goals in about two minutes of game time. So what exactly happened in that first quarter, uh, first quarter Porsche, and uh, why did we look so bad? Um, we looked so bad because, as we've known all year, our delivery to the forward line is a bit iffy um, in that we're not always getting it to marking targets. And quite often that's because we're not putting it to them in a fashion they can actually mark it. Um, and what that's happened to us this week is that we got it down forward, we turned it over somewhere along the line, and then on the counter-attack, we just were not in position. You know, all of our great wins this year, um, particularly the Hawthorne first half, we had the luxury of managing to contain them in a half, which absolutely perfectly plays to our strengths like we just talked about, because we don't have pacey halfbacks, really. Um, whereas when we spread out over the entire field, and if they get a good run on and they run hard and they run for each other, which we definitely don't do, um, they were able to cut straight through the middle and expose our um, tallish defenders with tall forwards. Um, that's a lot of it. And, they, and the smalls, that when they kick goals, they had lots of space to do it in because we were stretched out and we weren't running back as uh, fast as we needed to. I mean, how many times did you look and see Jimmy Tumpus sort of running as hard as he could, nowhere near it? Yeah, <laughs> you know? that's right. <laughs> I'm not folding him for effort. He's got effort, but he's just not. He wasn't. He wasn't. I'm not even saying it's all his fault. It's definitely not. It's a. It's an entire defence problem. But it was just so obvious. Oh. Yeah. Oh look, we were just absolute pants in that first quarter. Like the midfield yeah. was impotent. We just couldn't win a contest to save ourselves. When we actually did, we just turned it straight over with ludicrous disposal award decision making. And that's when we weren't sort of getting caught in daydream land, getting caught holding the ball. Um, what did Essendon score? Something like 115 points from t- our turnovers for the match. Like that's got to be some <laughs> yeah. sort of record. Like that's just ludicrous. Um, and then you've got uh, the defensive structure, which you know our defence has been a sort of shining light over the last couple of years. But that was uh, that was terrible. Like I'm I really don't know what was going on there. Um, Jonas starting on Danaher. We sort of spoke about that in the uh, in the preview, and we mentioned that. He does a good job on sort of the taller players this year, and uh, he actually played really well on Danaher in that first quarter. But uh, Holmshon Hooker, like I told you, you were uh, undervaluing yeah, Hooker. Yeah, I, I, I could have conceded that one. <laughs> but then again, this was also his best game forward, so I'm not going to cop it no, too hard. No, it is. Yeah, it, it <laughs> certainly was. But like, I, I just don't understand what what Holmshon's doing. Like even times when you thought he'd done the right thing, like there was that. I, th- I think uh, Hooker took a mark late in the first quarter where Homsch actually worked into a into front position and went to take the grab and uh, Hooker still outmarked him. And you just thought that no, nothing at all is going to go right tonight. This is going to be a thrashing. Look, for me, the memory I have of Homsch when he was good 
being the you know um, the intercept marker. He was yeah. never he was he was never the only person the against an marker. opponent. No, he's never he'd never like if he if he took an intercept marker, there was always someone else minding the guy it was going to nearby. Yeah. Um, he's pretty one dimensional, and that just got hugely exposed by the fact that we were spread out all over the ground, and yeah. he had a direct opponent that could match him for height and probably beat him for pace. So. He's never been great at man marking. He's never been great at spoiling. Like it's, um, he's uh, he's really struggled with that over the last two years, and you know we've been found out because of it quite a few times. I think over the last few years, so that's what's really disappointing for me. Um, Cleary did again. He was just okay on. Uh, I thought on he was Stewart. great. Really? I yeah, and no, I thought I thought he I thought he was the best defender for us on the day. Yeah, I don't know. I'd still go with Jonas for me because at least he was able to shut out Hooker once uh, once he went to him and still kept Danaher quiet as well. But yeah, that first quarter, I'm, uh, it kind of summed it up. Like you look at Hartlett's mistakes, you look at Impey's mistakes. I think even um, there was one time late in the first quarter, I think when we had a player free about 25 metres out in front of goal. I think it was either Wingard kicking inside 50 or Wingard trying to mark it. And we kicked it over his head by about 15 metres. And that just summed it up. Like It was just so ugly. And I just don't understand how you can be so underprepared when you're playing uh, this sort of game. Like Surely you do your research during the week. And, and, and what's happening in the rooms before the game to end up being eight goals down 15 minutes into a match? Like It's just not acceptable. Well, I mean... Ken said it in the press conference last week, didn't he? Um, talking about how we're not going to take too much out of the second half. Yeah. But we, you know, we commented, you know, if you kick four goals and a half, you've actually got a really big problem, even if you had a really fantastic first half. There's no reason why you should be beaten by an opponent to that degree and shut down by an opponent to that degree in any game ever. Yeah. Um, and we didn't address that clearly because the coaches didn't think it was a problem, and that's what, kind of what caught us out, I think. Uh, we were exposed by Hawthorne in that second half, the exact same way that Essendon did this game, in that we were uh, made weakest when we were forced to be all over the field rather than just sitting in a half picking shots at goal all game. Yeah. Um, yeah. Ryan Pilar has said on the uh, Spreaker chat, undervalue, you say McAmerit was immense. He was everywhere. He was. He played very, very well. I still reckon yeah. Heppel and Watson played better games, but oh, yeah. uh, Merritt was, uh, was certainly up there. Uh, we let him... Like we, we just couldn't run with him. That was the problem. Like, um, if we're trying to play Tumpus up against Merritt, like, that's a, a recipe for disaster right there. Yeah, look, and there's not... You know, Merritt's playing pretty well, but there's a lot of guys of his type in the AFL. Um, and, I don't know, maybe any of them would have beaten Tumpus in that contest. Mm. I don't know. That's it. Let's uh, talk about some positives on the night. Okay. Um, Darcy Byrne-Jones. I said in the preview that he would be my player that people wouldn't realise how well he played. Yeah. Um, and there were quite a few people on Bigfooty saying that he was uh, pretty bad on the night, that you know he was uh, even awful. But he kept Fantasia, who, in my opinion, is probably the second best small forward in the comp this year, at least on form. He kept him scoreless for the first time in 19 games. So for me, Darcy Byrne-Jones absolutely did his job and played really, really well. Yeah, I think that people forgot that he's primarily a negating defender um, and they saw what he did with the ball and it matched pretty much what everyone else was doing that he hacked it a fair bit. Yep. Um, but I agree his defensive game was quite solid. So for that reason, yeah, he did quite well, for sure. Yep. Uh, Westhoff, he was good. He was everywhere. Um, did play a decent game. I'm not sure if uh, when Justin Westhoff is your best player, 
if that's a good thing or not. But um, he certainly was on the evening. He had uh, 33 touches and, and kicked a goal as well. Yeah, no, he did a, he did a bit. <laughs> yep. Yep. And uh, as I said, Jonas was decent on Danaher early and then kept Hooker quiet after moving on to him. Um, once again, he seemed to stand up under pressure, which was great. Yeah, no, Jonas did all right. Um, Westhoff, he, he did all right, but he just ended up being moved to defence too soon for me. But that never ends up well for us. So, yeah. Mm. And the rest, let's. Uh, here we go. Open season, really. Uh, Dixon, like, we get into the game. He wins a free kick, fifteen meters out in front, and once again he bottles it. Like, he's had a great year. Let's not beat around the bush. He has had a, a wonderful year, but. Geez, he really does struggle in big moments when we really need him to stand up and kick a crucial goal. Well, I mean, the, the reality is that, if I remember correctly, the, by, the point he, by the time he actually got that shot on goal, it was, what, well past the first quarter. Um, yeah, it was you know. early in the second. We'd kicked two goals. Yeah. We were 21 points down, and uh, or 28 points down at that point. And he had the chance, so, 15 metres out, dead in front, to, uh, to get the ball rolling again. Yeah, I mean, it was a bad miss, but I mean, I'm also going to say that the fact that if you're a key forward and you're Tally Dixon and you haven't had a kick for a quarter, um, you're probably running too hard and it probably means that you're pretty body stressed and you're going to kick badly. We've seen it multiple times from Charlie Dixon in the last year, so um, if he doesn't get to settle early and get his goal early, which he usually has been doing this year and I think that's been part of the secret for his success, um, he tends to get lost in the game and I feel that's probably what happened to him um, this week. I don't know, it was just a Justin Westhoff disease. Like, how many times has Westhoff had the chance to really get us back into a game and uh, and bottles it? Like, it, for me, it was just the same sort of thing. And, look, he's he's due a down game, and Dixon had that. So, you know, hopefully he can uh, rebound again uh, next week. We've already spoken about Homsch, um and, and Hooker absolutely destroyed him. Compass yeah. on the night, uh, just offered absolutely nothing at all. Like... You know, he, he used the ball okay, but when you're kicking just 20 metres sideways, I guess you should be expected to uh, hit those sort of targets. I mean, that was a problem last week too, you know, that he, for how much he had of the ball, the actual productivity of it was hugely low. Um, he's exactly the guy that I was talking about earlier, that there's guys that look like they work hard and they're really not doing much. Um, this is exactly Tompas, unfortunately. That's where he's at. As he we said last this week, week. <clears throat> like if that was the best of Tompas... And he was just okay. Like when things get a bit tough, it's going to be a problem. And it was a problem on the weekend because we really needed a few of those. Uh, we really needed some outside runners to offer some sort of help, uh, given how um, Essendon were playing the game and just how dangerous they were um, from sort of uh, handballing it um, out of the back line and, and that really quick handball. Once again, we just really struggled to deal with quick handball. It's happened three or four times this year. we just got nothing to combat that. But at this point in time, I'm pretty happy to, to draw a line through Tumpus and uh, give Willem Drew a go, really. Yeah, that's a bit of a no-brainer, really. Mm. Mm. Uh, Pittard is uh, just playing like he wants to be somewhere else. It, or okay. at least it looks like it. Um, again, like we're, we're just seeing the sort of uh, the bad signs of where Pittard was sort of three or four years ago, as opposed to the, the sort of cooler and, and calmer uh, player that he's been over the last couple of seasons. Uh, I think it's worse than that. 
I think that he's still cool and calm, but he just doesn't give a shit anymore. So he's not running as hard as he used to. He used to run so hard, Macca. Every every oh, time he, he got near yeah. the ball, he'd be running and he'd be dodging and he'd be trying to think downfield. And this year, he's just sort of doing the real basics and just, oh, yeah, there's a guy, I'll kick it to him. Cool. Yeah. Um, no, he's hugely off the boil. He should not be getting more than one year contract until he proves he's got motivation to play. Yeah. Uh, Jared Polek, that was probably his first misstep all year. Um, he was only okay. He made a few errors. Um, was a little bit disappointing on the night, given that uh, he's been in such great form. Yeah, but if you're Essendon in that game, he's the player you've got to shut down and, and make him not particularly useful. And that's, that's exactly what they did. So, that is exactly know. what they did, yeah. And another one of our exposable points in the side that we haven't really accounted for, so there we are. Yeah. Well, again, I think that's uh, that shows just how much we miss uh, Carl Amon because we just put oh, too much usually. effort in. Um, when Amon's not in the side, we just look to Polak time and time again because he's the only one that can deliver the ball on the outside forward. Um, uh, so, yeah, hopefully Carl uh, recovers very, very quickly. Yeah, hopefully. Uh, Brendan Archie. Um, again, he had three good weeks, um, just didn't seem to get involved in the play at all especially through the first half, but I did really like what he did through that second half. He started to find the ball a little bit more. And the thing that I'm liking about Archie this year, as opposed to the last couple of years, is that when he gets it, he tends to use it really well. Look, he's trying to get near it, but the reality is that he's not getting near it when the game's on the line. Mm. In my view, he's not doing that. Every game that he's played, he's played really well. The, the percentage of time that he's actually been in good form when the game has been in the balance has been low. He was terrible in that first quarter, did nothing. Um, you know, he in, last week, in that, that first four goals, before we kicked four goals, he was doing nothing and suddenly he started doing stuff. Um, he's not there when it matters for us as a team. Um, and he's in his sixth year. You know, I was thinking about this during the week that Toby Thurston's yeah. a guy that Toby Thurston's a guy that we used to have a go at, you know, sort of saying, "Oh, gee, he took ages to come on, didn't he?" Well, at the end of his sixth year, he played 35 games in a premiership. Um, I'm not convinced that Archie will get to 35 games. Uh, he's he's had a lot of time to come on. He's had a lot of opportunities to come on for a young guy coming in. You know, how many got he's? If you look at our list, he's had a lot more opportunities than a lot of the guys on our list in the SNFL right now. Yeah. Um, and he's, you know, we can say, oh, he's going to come good, he's going to come good, but he's not going to come good. He's not going to get much better than he is right now, realistically. As uh, Pommy Power said on the speaker chat, he can kick a set shot, which is good. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. Yeah, well, just, just also on the speaker chat, now I'm looking... Um, Drew for Tumpus, Houston for Pittard by Craig Jones. And absolutely, I would rather have Houston in for Pittard right now. But realistically, I'd rather have Houston in for Brendan Archie because we saw, you know, Houston actually, he's fast with his hands. He's fast thinking, you know. Yeah. Uh, and he's done that in crunch moments in games, in my view. I'd have to, have to go and watch back and make sure. But, yeah, no, I'd rather have him in for sure. Oh, look, for me, Houston for Hartlett should be an absolute no-brainer. It should absolutely mm. happen this week. But our yeah. club doesn't have the guts to do that sort of move. Absolutely. Um, like we were talking about in the preview for this game, you know, this would be a really good one for Houston to be in. It's an intercepting mark, the settling mark, and unfortunately he didn't get that opportunity. But there we are. Yeah. That's where we're at. That is where we're at. Um, the other thing I want to talk about is Chad Wingard and Robbie Gray. And their, yeah. Uh, 
disgraceful playing for free kicks. I'll call it that. Like, Chad Wingard, come on, mate. You know, you are one of probably the top 10 most talented players in the league. And you got to go and do something like that. Like, that's just ugly and, and just not warranted in any sort of way. Like, why are you going to try? Like, it wasn't even close to being a free kick. It, it just made him look like an absolute tool. Yeah, look, I mean, I've got, I've honestly got nothing against playing for free kicks, but if it involves more than having a pained expression on your face when you go down, I'm not really interested in it. Yeah. Um, you know, that that's about as far as I reckon is reasonable. Uh, and the reality is that, like, if he was doing that and he was getting free kicks in a lot of games, that'd be great, but he's not. No. Neither of them are. No. Neither of them are. They do it every game and they don't get free kicks for it. And that means that when the legitimate ones are there, they don't get free kicks for them either because of the boy who cried wolf syndrome. Exactly you know? right. Yeah. They're they're hurting their own games by by tying that so often as they do, and you know the number of times that it actually works. I mean, it's never working in games that it matters for us, is it? Gray does it all the time. He throws his arms back and then he falls over, and all that does because he's not he's not getting those free kicks anymore. All no. it does is give his opponent front position and uh, the best chance to win the ball, either through the air or when it hits the ground, because uh, Gray's on the ground. Um, and again. Like on the weekend, it was it was more the fact that he actually stopped chasing a ball to complain to the umpire before the ball had even gone out. Like, come on, mate, that's that's just not on. Like, attack the football. Don't worry about the umpiring. Just attack the football and go for the ball. Yes. There's not much more that needs to be said other than that. It's, it's really not. It's it's really rudimentary stuff. Uh, and for that to come from a couple of guys, you know, they're pretty experienced guys for us now. Um, what the hell? Well, they're two <laughs> senior players. Why, they're two of why, our best players, and corrected? that's what they're doing. Like, yeah, you can why? try and act like Joel Selwood all you like, but you're not Joel Selwood. You're not going to get those free kicks. No, you're not. No, absolutely. And that's pretty much it, really, that I've got, unless you've got something else. I'm sure I do. Travis Blake, he's done, isn't he? Oh, I don't know. I, I think he's done he in is. the role that we're trying to play him in, for sure. He doesn't have another role. He does. I think he's. I, I still think he's probably better uh, <laughs> right. as a pure midfield player as opposed to what he's he, trying to do we, on a flank. Here we go, Maka. I'm going to ask you the big question because mm. the role that you're talking about, Travis Blake having, that's the exact one that we need to use to introduce Atley into the side. What yeah, do you probably. do? Probably. <laughs> yeah, that's the exact but then role. Atley can still play on a forward flank. So. But he, that's not his preferred thing. And if you're going to bring in a player to play his non-preferred position to start him off at AFL, I mean, you're flirting with disaster every time when you do that usually, aren't you? Yeah, but you're not um, going to play him there 100% of the time, are you? You're going to start him... No, you're not. But, at least, but you're at least running through the midfield. But if Boke's there, he's taking that spot, yeah? Because mm. like, that's the only place he can run. Mm. We, just said, we just said that. It's the only role he can play. So if he's the only role he can play, then that's the only place he'll play on the field. And that means that we're losing the opportunity to put someone else through there. Yeah. Look, so, Boke just uh, doesn't have the pace to uh, to play the sort of role that we're expecting him to play at the moment. And I think the opposition have figured that out. They're just putting someone quicker than him on him and running off him. And uh, when Boke looks like winning the ball, the quicker player just sort of catches up to him. So, yeah, it, it's a bit in limbo at the moment. I think Boke's had a, had a decent year. But, um, yeah, the signs are there that maybe um, the end of Travis Boke is, uh, is maybe nearer than what we thought it might be. Uh, but then again, maybe if he relinquishes uh, captaincy at the end of this year, maybe he can have a little resurgence. But there's a difference between him and 
Don Cassisi, who I know Don Cassisi went through a similar thing, but Don Cassisi always had more bows to his, um, more arrows to his bow or quivers, whatever, that one, the archery one. Quivers um, to his, strings to his bow. String to his bow, that's the one. Thank you. <laughs> it, was, it was there somewhere. I knew it was an archery thing. More um, hats to his archer, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like there were more roles that Cassisi had proven he could play over his career so that he could fall back on being like a defensive forward and things like that. Whereas Boker's literally from day one, he's played in midfield. Um, yeah. that's it. So he doesn't have fallbacks. He never spent, you know, half a year playing as a, a, a halfback flanker. And, you know, given the weaknesses we've got in halfback for pace, it's certainly not what you dressed him. Yeah. Um, he's never been a guy to really snap goals in the forward line or be a forward pocket and take marks. He's not that guy. He's a midfielder. So if he can't play at the level of midfield, we need him to. I mean, he's, he's done. He's done. Like, that's, yeah. that's not just not captain. That's, see ya. That's where we're at, unfortunately. It's really yeah. tough, but that's where we're at. Well, again, I think he's contracted to 2021, isn't he? Oh, no. Please don't say that, is he? I'm pretty sure he is. Oh. Or at least 2020. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure him Why? and Robbie Gray signed very he's long-term over... contract. I, I really I hope this... Porsche's brain. I really hope there's games played qualifiers for all of those guys. <laughs> Yeah, I guess the other thing to talk about is um, something I mentioned just a, a few minutes ago, but um, how Essendon were just so easy to tear through us with that quick handball. And we just look like witches' hats. And, and it happened against Geelong. I remember saying against Geelong, they, that looked like the best handballing performance I'd ever seen an AFL team play because they just hit target after target after target. Well, Essendon just basically did the exact same thing. So what what can we do to stop that? Because that I feel like that's going to be a theme of teams trying to beat us now, is just to uh, handball it through our midfield because we just can't keep up. Um, we're not drill, we're not well drilled enough when we're in that full field uh, setup. Realistically, that's that's where we're at, um, and the cattle that we're selecting in our side aren't optimal for being able to intercept those sort of players. Yeah. Um, yeah, we're not we're not playing our players the right way. That's coaching. It feels That's like coaching. yeah, it, it certainly is coaching. It feels like when teams try and kick through us, our defensive structures are absolutely elite. Um, but when teams are trying to sort of handball and run and that whole slingshot thing that we spoke about in the preview, um, it feels like we're just getting absolutely torn apart. Um, and that's a hard thing to stop, sort of mid-season. Yeah, well, like we said, we just don't really have the cattle at this point. Um, and there's a lot of reasons for that. You know, some of them are good, some of them are a bit shitty, but there you go. Yep. Um, we're just seeing on Spreaker Chat, we've got vote till 2019 inclusive. Uh, there, so... there we go. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm sure we'll give him another three uh, extension at the end of the How good is the magpies going to be, eh? Mate. <laughs> awesome. Now, well, let's talk about them now. The SANFL Port played West Adelaide at Alberton Oval on Sunday and won by a ridiculous 128 points. Uh, 28 yeah, goals, 14 to 7 goals, 12. As we mentioned, Dougal Howard kicked 8 goals. Aaron Young kicked 5 after getting dropped. Um, this will please you, Porsche. Both Todd Marshall and Peter Adams kicked 3 goals each. And uh, Jesse Palmer kicked 2 as well. All right, that's good. Um, who was our good halfback flankers that were fast? Good halfback flankers that were fast. Uh, that's, a, that's a good question there. Um, maybe we, we might bring Matty White back into that role, maybe. Honestly, it's kind of where we're heading, um, which is sad. 
Emmanuel Era played by far his best game. He had 32 okay. touches and 11 marks. Uh, Is he the guy? Well, that's his, probably his only decent game so far this year. Yeah, no. okay. uh, Aaron Young, after getting dropped, had 36 touches, 7 marks, 6 tackles, 13 inside 50s and 5 goals. And uh, scored 173 Dream Team points. So that's uh, just about as good as you can get. Yep. Which is great. Uh, <laughs> I'm glad you're pleased well, to hear. So it's no, pretty clear he'll I, come straight back in, isn't it? I mean, it, it, look, I mean, he might. I kind of feel like he shouldn't have... His AFL form has been poor. SNF form, SNFL form is ultimately irrelevant for the most part. It's about how well they're playing the role, not necessarily, you know, oh, I've got 36 touches, five goals. Like, that doesn't matter what's shit. Um, so the, thing he with Youngie, he, the thing with Youngie yeah. is that every time he plays SNFL, mm. he's at least a 30 and 2 player. Like, every game he plays at SNFL level, he always gets 30 touches, he always kicks at least two goals. Mm. Like, it's possible particularly as the AFL and the SNFL quality continues to diverge year after year after year. It's happening every year um, to be good, too good for SNFL and not good enough for AFL. It's absolutely possible to be that. Yeah. That's the reality. Hmm. Willem Drew was really good again, um, which is good signs. I really hope we see him this week. 26 touches, 8 marks and a goal. Um, his form has been as good as anybody's over the last three or four weeks. That's very good to see. He is a slightly different sort of midfielder to the ones that we're sort of playing real net right now, actually. Um, so there's definitely room for him to come in. Um, how is the quality of his disposal by foot? Really good. Then he should be in. Yep, for sure. Joe Atley, again, he had 31 touches, five marks, and kicked a goal as well. So, again, the consistency of, uh, of two of our first-year players there is, uh, is great to see. I'm loving that. I'm really glad that both of them have really taken uh, to uh, to at least SANFL league level and look like they can uh, step up and, and play a few games. Uh, Cam Hewitt was really good again, so it's good to see him hit some form. Billy Frampton had 25 touches, 8 marks and 38 hitouts. Uh, he's been a little bit down the last few weeks, so good to see him back into some really good form. Uh, Dan Houston was one of our best across half back. He's just got to play. Um you mentioned really quick back flankers. Mm. Why not Riley Bonner? Because he shut the bed like um, Jimmy Tumper stars in the preseason. <laughs> he did. He absolutely did. Multiple um, times, multiple games. So that's why. Until I know that he's not going to do that. But you've got to give confidence. him a go. Like, you're not going to know until he gets another go. Like, his SA yeah. form has been really good so far this year. And has probably, it again, he probably improved. had that point where... You're not going to know if he's going to be up to it until you actually put him at that level and see if he's going to be up to it. Mm. All right. I'm. I look. I was really shattered by how badly, not like not quantity disposal or anything like that, but how uncreative, how anti-creative his disposal was in the preseason. Like yeah. he just didn't seem to understand how the team was setting up. He didn't understand that if you're kicking it behind a guy that's on the run going forward, you're fucking your side up, um, realistically. So he, and he did multiple of those. Um, that's more than, what, 10 weeks worth of playing football to correct, in my view. Yeah. Oh, look, if he had a decent preseason, I've got no doubt in my mind at all he would have oh, played round one. Yeah, yeah absolutely. If, um, if, if, he'd even show, if he'd even had it indifferent in preseason, but had shown that his head was in the right spot, he probably yeah. would have been in the side for sure. 
Because Houston really only played because Bonner trapped the bed so badly. Yeah, but yeah, slightly. As I said, maybe it's time to uh, to give him another crack. Um, as you know, I rate him really, really highly. I think he's got a really good future. And um, again, that sort of pace, that long kicking, might be something that uh, could be useful. I think he's got some good attributes, but I, I really do think that he needs to understand the game plan better than he showed he does at this point. And that I do, I'm, I'm suspicious about it possibly only taking ten weeks. And I think that if he's learning a game plan and he's coming into a side that plays like we are currently, he needs to know the game plan when he's coming in because he's not going to learn it if he doesn't know it. Because yeah. we're sort of this is in that area that we're failing in, and that teams are trying to expose. If he doesn't know that role, hundred percent then he's going to get exposed and it's just going to ruin him. So sure. that's that's my concern for him there is that if he goes into that hot roll in our side and he doesn't exactly know what he needs to do, he's, he's fucked. <laughs> really? <laughs> and as I said, Peter Adams and Todd Marshall, three goals each, which is uh, yeah, very, very pleasing. Well, it's particularly pleasing from... Um, I've forgotten his name already. The one that wasn't Marshall. Laddams. <laughs> Laddams, that's it. <laughs> my brain's all over the place. I hate these late, uh, podcasts. Yeah. yeah, it's good for Laddams because he, you know, if he's going to be a ruckman, we're in the era where ruckman need to be able to play other positions as well. So he needs to be able to kick goals and do that sort of thing. So it's good that he did it. Um, and it's good that Marshall has been consistent as well. Um, I do still prefer him to come in over Howard. And I know that probably makes me exceptional, but um, there you go. Yeah, that's it. And uh, Gus Monfrey's got injured. Uh, very early in the piece, only had the five touches. Uh, got injured, I think, in the, early in the second quarter. <laughs> Um, and we'll miss a couple of games. <laughs> I didn't know that. <laughs> this is the week I was thinking he might come in. Because oh, <laughs> oh, no. nice. we, we just showed that we need that link man around half forward that can take a mark and give us time to get forward because we're terrible when we're spread across the entire field. Like This is the week that showed that we could, there is actually a place for that role. Yeah. Um, well, maybe we this is why he, he hasn't uh, come in yet. Maybe we were kind of half expecting him to get injured at some point after his year off. But yeah, yeah, um, well, we were. I think he might be out for a couple of weeks. So yeah, we might have to wait uh, a few weeks longer to see Gus uh, in the power lineup. Maybe. Yeah. Well, I guess it'll depend on where we are at that point. Mm. Well, that's been fun. Yeah, look, it's not as bad as we're making out. I know that there are a few people that are sort of probably really upset about the fact that we lost by so much. But, I mean, there's been signs there through other losses we've had this year um, that we're in a mid-table side. Um, we might be not even a particularly high mid-table side. But, you know, there was just a loss. It was on our worst ground on the whole. Um, it was admittedly with a lot of our best players, which that's great because if we – had that sort of result with a couple more injuries, it would have been really easy to say, oh, we've got injuries to the wrong players or something like that. But there isn't. So that means that we actually are in a position where the coach and the players actually do need to ask hard questions because we had pretty much our best side out there uh, on the weekend. So yeah. um, it's good. It's good. It's good when you have everyone available and you get exposed because it means you can actually see what the weaknesses are and there's nowhere to hide. And that's where we're at this week. So this should, the guys should be really focused. I reckon if you, um, it's the game in Adelaide this week. It is, yeah. If you're going to go to a game this year, like if you're someone in the country or something, you don't go to a lot of games, I reckon this is one worth going to because they will be absolutely on fire, I reckon. Um, yeah. They'll have had the wind put right up because there is nowhere for them to hide. No excuses for the performance we put in on the weekend. Not one. Not a single one. No. That's right. Mm. Well, we'll talk about that on Thursday. 
Yeah, it's going to be good. Indeed. Mm. Yeah. Mm. We get to uh, talk about Brisbane again. That's great. <laughs> well, at least they won we this week, so we can talk about uh, why they won. Well, yeah, and um, the concerning thing, I guess I can say it for Thursday, but I'm not going to. The concerning thing is that they could maybe do the same thing with key forwards that Essendon did. <laughs> Let's hope not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let's hope not. Well, until then, uh, we'll speak to you on Thursday. Yeah. Uh, until then, can the pair. Uh, and bye-bye, Tompus. Goes back. Lockwood can unload. Oh, he goes for top. The old barrel. What a kick from Bob and Lockwood. Where did that come from? <laughs> well, they put it and held the ball up. They had no one to kick it to. There was about four or five.